good morning. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Hey, welcome to church. It's a party. Come on, we're having a party. It's a party, and we're here to celebrate today. Uh, back to church Sunday, so whether it's your first time at Redeeming Love, whether it's your thousandth time here, whether you're just coming back from uh, the summer, if you've been away for a bit, or whether you're just coming back from COVID, welcome back to church. Come on, as a as a people, as a group of believers, as a community, as Troy, as Brunswick, as the greater capital region, we need all of us to get back to church. We need to get back to church, and that's what today is all about. Today is Back to Church Sunday. So I hope that if you're here today for the first time, that this is the first of many times that you'll come and come back to church, because what this nation needs right now most desperately is a people that are on fire for God a people that have turned their hearts back to God, and that's what will heal a nation. And so the first step in that process is coming back to church. So we're so happy that many of you were with us this morning. Hey, fall engage groups have started. I've got to, I'm just going to announce a couple of things. Uh, on the back of your card, it says, sign me up for an engage group, and there's boxes one through six. There is a sheet that correlates with that, and it's this white sheet right here. If you didn't get this engage groups sheet, raise your hand. The ushers will bring you one. I want to encourage you, uh, whether you're here for the first time or whether you're here for the thousandth time, sign up for an engage group. How many of you want to go deeper in your walk with Christ? You want to go deeper with your walk in Christ? You sign up for an engage group. This is where discipleship happens. This is where you become more like Christ. This is where you find out how we walk as Christians in our day-to-day. I'm just going to read through the list. Uh, number one, Pastor Matt and Stacy, that's myself and my wife, we're going to be leading the Foundations group. Foundations is going to be for uh, new believers, believers who maybe you don't know why we raise our hands during worship. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? How do we live? And so this is what Foundations is. We're going to go through this week by week, different topics. Number two, uh, Pastor Steve and Mary doing a Bible study on the Holy Spirit. That's going to be at their home on Mondays at 7 p.m. Fred and Elizabeth, Fireside Chats for 20 to 30-year-olds. This is going to be a great group. We're super excited that Fred and Elizabeth are doing this, 20 to 30-year-olds, uh, at their homes on Friday at 7. Jeff Bagley is leading a men's Bible study Fridays here at the church at 9.30. Angelia is doing the youth girls. Yeah? Come on. You're a young girl. If you're a teenage girl, ages 13 through 20, you're going to want to Get in on that, 12 through 21 it is actually. And then Jamie's going to be leading the group for the young men uh, Wednesdays at 4.30, Hoosick Street, Starbucks. Sign me up. Amen. Sign up for an engaged group. Hey, one more thing that I want to announce, a uh, very, very, very special occasion. For the very first time, we have with us Mr. and Mrs. Pedro and Ariana Galina Bento de Sousa. Come on. <laughs> Yes, yes. Fresh back from their honeymoon. Welcome, 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 welcome. So happy for you guys. All right, here we go. Hey, today we kick off this new series. It's entitled Love Does. Love Does. This series is entitled, is inspired by a book by Bob Goff. This is the book right here. And you see the book is Teal with Balloons. And so it's Teal with Balloons and there's balloons everywhere. So we're kind of just going with a the theme. Love does. And so it's inspired by this book. It's a great book. It's a book, of, it's a book of extraordinary stories of love. A book of stories of extraordinary love. Love that goes beyond. Love that goes the distance. Love that is just 
unbelievable sometimes. The stories in here are pretty cool. Some of the stories involve lifelong friends, while other stories involve perfect strangers and what love will do for a perfect stranger. One of the first stories in the book, I think it might be the second, I'm not sure. Uh, Bob is sitting on his porch in his house, which is near the, the water. I don't know if it's the ocean or a causeway or whatever. He's just sitting on the porch with his wife, and this young guy goes walking by. Bob's never met this person before in his life, and the young man just stops and says, hey, I see you out here sitting here often. Would it be okay if I used your porch to propose to my girlfriend? Bob says yes, and that's just the beginning of the story. But what we see here is that Bob said yes. Bob had the opportunity to say no. Why would Bob even offer? Well, I mean, Bob didn't offer. Somebody just asked and says, can I use your porch? Why would Bob say yes? Because love does. Love results in action. Love always results in action. Love takes action. Whoops. Love is more than a feeling. Webster's Dictionary defines love as a feeling, all right? It does. But I want to say this, that love always leads us somewhere. Love always leads us someplace deeper. The Bible says that the love of Christ compels me. The word compels there. It grips my heart and it brings me someplace that I really, I'm not sure that I would have gone here had I not been loving. Love sacrifices. Love is always going to cost us something. I find myself doing things that I never thought that I would find myself doing. Why? Because I love. I sit and I watch Hallmark movies often. Why do I do that? It's not because I can't figure out the ending. <laughs> because somebody else that I love likes to watch them. <laughs> Why does she watch football? My wife. Why does my wife watch football? It's not because she thinks those guys in those pants are cute. It's not the reason. She watches football because I like football. Somebody that she loves likes football. We sacrifice for one another. Glory to God. In the oldest Hebrew language, watch this, guys. In the oldest Hebrew language, the word love means to protect and to provide for, right? We want to make love a feeling. We want to talk about love, and it's like this, ooh, I'm just in love. It's just this feeling. No. The beginning of love is to do something. It's to protect and to provide for, and it moves on from there. And yes, today, it, it's a feeling, right? Webster's Dictionary will tell you that it's a feeling. But I want to say this. Love goes on, and love has to result in action because love does. If I tell my wife that I love her, but I fail to do anything for her, anything about it, my words become empty and the love that I profess becomes untrue. Love, if not backed by action, is not love at all. Church, love, if not backed by action, is not love at all. While the sermon of this title is inspired by this book, the topic of love does is inspired by something far greater, this book, the words of Jesus, 
the commands of Jesus, the love that God has for us and the love that God wants us to share with others is what really inspired this sermon series. Now, I have to be very careful because I'm a lover. I want to tell you the most important thing about me. The most important thing about me is that Jesus loves me. The most important thing about me is that Jesus loves me. I want to share with you a little secret. Jesus loves you too. And it's the most important thing about you. And because we've, we are loved by God, we have the ability and the mandate to love others. He loves us, and we can love him back, and we can love others. And when we do that well, man, we're really hitting on all cylinders. We're in a good place. I'm a lover. I love love. I love to love. I love to be loved. I could talk about love forever. I know so many scriptures on love. I literally was just trying to get this sermon ready, and I'm like, I've got all these scriptures flowing through. No, I can't use that one. No, I can't use that one. Not yet, not yet, not yet. I'm like, man, there's just so much here. Why? Because the beginning of the story to the end of the story, there's one main thing. It's that God is in love with you. God is in love with you. And if you don't believe it, read it again. (laughs) God is in love with you. He's in love with you. He is madly, passionately in love with you. And he will not be stopped. Glory to God. All throughout the Bible, we're told to love, we're shown how to love, we're encouraged to love, we're told that we are loved, and we're given the mandate to love. And so, let's jump into this sermon series, Love Does. John chapter 15, verse 9 through 12, we're going to start here. It says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. This is Jesus speaking. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. All right, so let's break this scripture down for a moment. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And so here in John chapter 15, this is, uh, this is right after the Last Supper. This is within 24 hours of Jesus going to the cross. Jesus says, abide in my love. Remain in my love. Remain in a place. Stay in a place where you are receiving my love. How many of you know that we can easily get to a point where we can no longer sense the fact that God loves us? It's not that he stopped loving us. He always loves us. He has always loved us. He will always continue to love us. But we can move ourselves to a place where we're not feeling that we are loved by God. We don't remember in the moment that we are loved by God. We are loved by God. Remain in my love. Then he says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. You will abide in my love. As we obey God's commandments, our hearts stay open to receiving his love. When we disobey, 
When we sin, our hearts become closed, and we can't any longer feel or receive the love. It's not that God doesn't love us. We just have trouble receiving it because we've sinned, and we've disobeyed him, and we've closed ourselves off from it. Knowing that... um, Abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Knowing that we are loved by God brings joy. Knowing that we are loved by God brings joy to our life. A joy that can never be stolen, a joy that can never be quenched. All of the bad days that we experience, all of the trials, it can't stop the joy that comes from knowing that we are loved by God. And then Jesus gives us a new commandment. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. He doesn't say this because he wants to add this to the others. He doesn't want to just add on a new commandment. And we'll see this in a moment. If it, <clears throat> excuse me. We'll see this in a moment. If we do this right, if we love one another right, then it actually takes care of and fulfills every other commandment that God has given us. Right? The Old Testament's full of commandments. When we love, we're actually fulfilling all of those commandments by loving other people. And then if there's any question in our minds as to what this looks like, Jesus defines it for us. Love one another, but then it's not just okay that we go and pick it out for ourselves. Love one another as I have loved you. Did you see the way that I've loved you guys for three and a half years? You guys have been walking. He's talking to his disciples. You guys have been walking with me for three and a half years. You see how I've done this? This is how you are to love. We can't pick and choose and make it up for ourselves. Jesus sets the boundaries and the parameters of what love looks like. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. I said this already, but Jesus is saying this to them 24 hours before he'll go to the cross and die. He went to the cross and he died for his friends. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus came, Jesus lived a sinful, sinless life so that he could go to the cross and he could die, taking our sins in his body and giving us the ability to go to heaven. It's a great exchange. It's a great exchange. Jesus came and made a way where there was no way. Greater love has no one than, than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Oh, that we might be called friends of God. Yeah. I want to be a friend of God. I want to be one who God thinks of as my friend. That we would know his secrets. He says... A servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you my friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. God wants to share his secrets, but he won't share his secrets aside from relationship. He wants to share his power with us, his glorious power with us, but he can't do that outside of relationship because we can't be trusted on our own. We can only be trusted in relationship. And so he wants to call us his friend. Oh, that I might be the friend of God. 
that I would hear the secrets that he would whisper, God, what are you doing today? This is what I'm doing. And then we can get on board with what he's doing and we can make it happen. We can help him. We can be the workers and the laborers in the vineyard and in the field. God is not worried about the current state of affairs in the world. God is not surprised, surprised by COVID. He's not wringing his hands saying, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to take care of this? God's not surprised at all. He's not shocked in the least. He's not shocked by COVID. He's not shocked that people have made it a political tool to, for their own end. He's not shocked by the fear-mongering that goes on day after day after day. He's shocked by none of this. God's not shocked by COVID, and he didn't create it. But he'll use it. He'll use it to draw people back to himself. He wants what? He wants people to be drawn back to him. And the days that we are living in, people are becoming more and more unsettled, more and more unrest. I'm here to tell you today that true rest is found in God. True rest is found in our relationship with him. It comes from him. It's only in God. It's only in God that we will find peace and joy and hope. It's only in God that we will not be moved by the current state of affairs of the world. The world can go burning down all around me, and I won't be moved. Why? Because my joy, my whole being is found in him. Everything I do, I live and move and have my being as an extension of God moving from heaven. So if this earth is moved, that's fine, because heaven isn't. God isn't. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if the world melts and none of us can live here, I'm going to heaven. I know about the rest of you. I mean, I, know about, I hope I know about most of you. And so I'm not moved. I'm not shocked. It doesn't bug me. It, it bugs me. I can't lie. You did not choose me. One more thing on the, the friend, friend of God, right? A friend of God. We sang that point, and Pastor Stacy kind of mentioned it. Tell me what moves you. I love that song. It's a good song. Tell me what moves you. I'll tell you what moves the heart of God. Love. She nailed it. Love. Love moves the heart of God. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. I desire mercy. I'll tell you what moves my heart. Mercy. Go and figure it out. Mercy. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, Jesus said. Mercy. When we have mercy for another, when we have compassion for another, when we have love for one another, that moves the heart of God. That moves God's heart. <laughs> when you pray, we, we, we have this uh, prayer and healing team that will pray for your healing afterwards. One of the principles in praying for someone for healing is that when you pray for them for healing, you have to go with compassion. It has to be from a, you have to be praying and you have to be moving from a compassionate heart that you don't want them to be sick any longer. If you're praying for them so that the power can flow through you, God doesn't care whether the power flows through you. God doesn't care whether or not you're the vessel that he uses. He'll use anybody. But if you have a compassionate heart and your heart is truly moved, that's when you'll see the greatest results. All right. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and pointed you that you should go and that you should bear fruit and that your sh fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, 
he will give you. These things I command you that you love one another. You did not choose me, but I chose you and pointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Bearing fruit, guys. We're going to touch on this more in the weeks to come. This is a, an awesome aspect, and it's really, really deep. And I'm going to pull in some other scriptures to show you this. But God made us. God designed us. God, the whole point here is that we would bear fruit in our lives, that we would have something that we do, love does, something that we do with our life. And as we bear fruit, as we find ourselves in the doing, as we find ourselves in the serving, this is when we're fulfilled the most. God made you. Psalm 139 says, there was a book written about my life in heaven before I was even born. God wrote it down. He designed. Romans 13 says he created certain things for you to do on the earth. And here's the secret, guys, is that when we get to the point where we find ourselves doing the things that God made us to do, we're going to just be like, ah, oh, God, this is so good. It's going to be better than football. It's going to be better than watching whatever it is you like to do. It's, it's the most fun you can have. It's the most fun you can have when you're doing what God made you to do. He made you for something. Start doing it. I don't know what it is. Just start doing something. You're bound to find it. Here's a secret. Humble servants are rewarded. And if you just start serving humbly someplace, what happens is, you're like, nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. Hey, this is what I can do. Suddenly I find it. I tried 10 things. None of it worked. Finally, the 11th one, bang, I hit it. But I stand here not doing anything because I don't know what to do and I still don't do nothing and so I'm completely despondent. Just, all right, we'll get, there's a whole week to come on that. I said I wasn't going to tell you about it. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. These things I command you, he says, that you love one another. He says it again. He repeats it. A quick search, 21 times in Scripture, the Bible tells us to love one another. 21 times. And I'm not talking about love your neighbor. I'm not talking about love your enemy. I'm not talking about love your brother. I'm saying love one another. Love one another 21 times. It's kind of important. It, it kind of gets spread around. Everybody's kind of on the same page. Hey, Jesus said, this is the new commandment. Love one another. 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 So it becomes pretty important, and I, I think it's kind of important that if Jesus, if the Bible is telling us 21 times to love one another, we should really be asking ourselves, do we do this? Take your pulse. Take your temperature. Do you love others? I don't know. How would I know? What does it look like? What does love look like? Next week's message. I promise. How do we know if we're loving one another or not? What's the, what's the love barometer? What's the love scorecard? How do, we, how do we check ourselves to see, do I really love my brother? Do I really love my sister? We should be asking ourselves this question. We should be asking ourselves this question often because 
it really, in many cases, it all comes down to love. Do we love? How well do we love? Romans 13, 8 through 10 says this. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. This is great. So if we can really love God and love one another and do it well and do it right, then we're, we're free from following the law. Cool. I mean, we're free from the law anyway. But, right, the problem is, is that we don't love well. I want to love well. And I, and I think I'm doing an okay job, <laughs> but I'm not perfect. And the law was given so that we would understand what love is and what love looks like. If you read in Leviticus, there's an Old Testament commandment. And it says, if you dig a hole and an ox, your neighbor's ox falls into the hole that you dug, then you need to make restitution for your neighbor's ox. And it actually goes on to say like, uh, you get the meat and then you pay him or he gets the meat and then you pay him do this. Uh, it really goes very long. There's a very lengthy explanation of what happens when the ox falls into the pit. And it's kind of like, really? Like we went through, uh, why? Because this is what love is. This is how you are to live with one another. This is how you are to think of your brothers and sisters. This is how it works, guys. We dug a pit recently. There was a broken water line, dug a pit to, to get down to the water line, dug it, dug it out. There was water gushing out. Fixed the water line. And so there's this big pit. I think of this only because I'm sharing the scripture from Leviticus. And then they, they filled the pit back in, but it was soupy because it was full of water, right? And if somebody were to walk out on that soupy dirt that just looked like dirt and all there's all dirt all around then they would have sank right in. And so to love others, we put tape, caution tape, all the way around. Basically, we fenced it all off so that nobody would walk in there and sink and, and you know, so that there's no loss of life. That's love. We're do why are we doing that? We're doing it because, yes, we believe in safety, but why? why? Why do we do this? Because of love. We don't want anybody to get hurt. Fence it off. doesn't take that long. It's safe that way. It's love. The problem is, is that we fall short. We fall short time and time again. We try to love, and we don't really know how to do it. We're not sure. We fall, we mess up, but God's gracious, and he's merciful. And he says, hey, come on, try it again. Listen, you'll be more loving this time. <laughs> you'll do better next time. You can do it. I believe in you. Just go love people. Just love people. If we, if we could view every scenario of life 
in what happens to us through the eyes of loving other people, it would change the way that we live our life. If we could pull out a set of glasses, I don't have glasses, put them on our face, and we would look through the eyes of love. And when someone reaches out to us and they hurt us intentionally, and we see that they're doing it because they're hurt, and we're looking with the eyes of love, our response is going to be different. Well, what happens is too often is that someone hurts us, whether intentionally or unintentionally, and rather than using the eyes of love, we look with the eyes of self-preservation and we think, they don't like me. They, they, and we withdraw, and we withdraw, and we withdraw. We need to look with the eyes of love. Love goes further. Love goes deeper. Love does. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have, said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. This is Jesus' first public sermon. Matthew chapter 5. If you read through the story, the story of the Gospels, Jesus goes into the wilderness, meets with the Holy Spirit. He's baptized by John, goes into the wilderness. He's baptized, he's baptized by John, filled with the Holy Spirit, goes into the wilderness, defeats the devil, comes back, starts to gather his disciples, starts to teach his disciples some things. Then he sits down on the mountain and he starts to teach this sermon, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's called the, ser great, the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' first public sermon. Finally gathers a bunch of people together, and he starts to talk, and he says, love your enemies. <laughs> Nothing like starting out with the really hard stuff, you know? Like, come on, what about, you know, just go to church on Sunday? That's a good one. Let's start there. No, Jesus is like, love your enemies. Also in the Sermon on the Mount, he's like, he says, you know, it said, don't commit adultery, but I say, don't even lust. It says, don't murder, but I say, don't even talk badly to your friend. Wow. He dials it up. He's like, this is what the law says. This is where I want you. This is the parameters, but love would do this. Love wouldn't speak negatively about somebody else. Love wouldn't lust after somebody. Love wouldn't, love would love an, love an enemy. This is tough. If loving our friends and our family wasn't hard enough, Jesus, <laughs> you want us to love our enemies. You want us to love those who hate us. Jesus showed us how to do this. As he was dying on the cross, he looked at those who had put him there, and he prayed to God. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And so in that very moment, Jesus is on the cross and he is dying for the sins that those people that put him there are actually committing in that moment. He is loving his enemies. He is laying down his life and he is loving his enemies. The Bible says that while we were 
still enemies of the cross. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of the Christ, while we were enemies of the cross, Christ loved us. He loved us while we were against him. Paul, the apostle Paul, is breathing out murderous threats and he's killing Christians and Jesus loves him. He loves him. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors and sinners do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do that. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. We are called to love. We're called to love. Our love is called to go beyond. Our, our love is called to set an example that our love as Christians would be an example to the world. That our love would be an example to the world that's so desperately in need of an example of love in this day and in this hour. The Bible says that they will know that we are Christians by our love. It doesn't say that they'll know that we are Christians by how big our Bible is. It doesn't say that they'll know that we are Christians by how uh, well we go to church on Sunday or if we show up on time for worship. All those things are important. It says that they will know that we are Christians by our love, not by what we are for, not by what we are against. And trust me, there are things that I am for and there are things that I am against. But you know what I want? I want everybody to know how much I love. Because if they know how much I love, they'll know that God sent me. If I simply have a set of rules and regulations, then I might just be another governmental figure. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about loving people. Jesus said, I desire mercy. I desire this. Go and love one another. 21 times, love one another. Love one another. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. Are we loving? Do we love? Can people see it? Is it evident in your life to others that you're loving? Does it, be go, does it go beyond those who just love you? Does it go beyond your circle of family and friends, and does it include anybody? When Jesus was questioned and said, who is my neighbor? He told the story of the Good Samaritan. Who was the, who was the neighbor? The neighbor was that person laying dead on the street that nobody had ever met before. And, it, and that Samaritan took a risk. He took a great risk. That was, that was his neighbor. It's, it's everybody. It's anybody that you need. It's anybody that you see that's in need that you have the ability to help. Those are the people that we need to love. Anybody that you see that you have the ability to love. One of the problems that we face when we make the decision to love and when we reach out in love is that we've reached out in love before and it wasn't appreciated or we got hurt in the process and it caused us to retract. I touched on this earlier. When we love others, it always opens us up to pain. There's always pain in the process whenever we choose to love. Love is great. It's the best. You can't live your life without it. You have to have it. I'm telling you today, if you're not loving people, start loving people. But I'm also going to give you a warning that there is pain associated with love. 
And if you've loved anybody for any length of time, you don't have to have this explained to you. You love someone and then they pass away and there is pain in your heart when they leave this earth to go to heaven. You know they're in a better place, but you're still filled with pain. You had a boyfriend and a girlfriend. They, you broke up. There was pain in your heart when that relationship was severed. You have a good relationship with someone and they do something that you don't like and there is pain. And so when we open ourselves up to love, we open ourselves up to pain. But that's okay. There's always, guys, there's always risk associated with love. It's always a risk. But it's worth it. It's well worth it. If you're here today and you have that pain, God wants to heal you from that pain. Because we can't love others well until we're healed from the pain of past loves, past hurts. And so whatever it is, uh, any of the things that I've touched on or something that I didn't touch on, if that's you today, we want to pray for you. And so we're going to have the prayer and healing team up here after service. Come up and have them pray for you. I don't care what it is. You know, you think to yourself, oh, I don't want to go up front. I don't want to see any, I don't want to see anybody. I want any, I, I don't want anybody to see me getting prayed for. What would they think? God, crush the pride of man. Crush pride. Crush what man might think. Crush the fear of man in people, in us today. I'll go up for prayer. I get down on my knees here in the front of the, the thing every, not every Sunday, but often. Why? Because I have to get right with God. I'm not saying I'm in sin, but there's things in my heart. I got to get those things out. There's healing that I need. I can only get that from God. There's healing that you need. You can only get that from God. Um, yes, you can get it in your prayer closet alone, but there is something that happens when people lay hands on people. We believe in the laying on of hands. We believe that there is an anointing for healing. Here today, especially for those who have been wounded in the process of loving others. Jesus wants you to be healed and he wants you to be whole. whole. Jesus loved and loved and loved and loved and loved. And in the midst of his suffering and his pain, he loved again. And when they hurt him, he loved some more. And when they hurt him again, he loved some more. And when they brought him to the high priest's house and they beat him, he loved. And they brought him to the praetorium and they whipped him, he loved. And when they put the nails in his hands, he loved. And when they ridiculed him for being on the cross, he loved. And there was no end to the love that Jesus had and the Jesus the love that Jesus showed for you and for me to the point that he gave his life for love. How do we get this strength to be able to love from Je like Jesus? It only comes from him. It only comes from him. Jesus, to be able to, in the worst situations in your life, to be able to love the way that Jesus loved. I'm not saying that we're going to come into any kind of a bad time. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that Trials happen in your life. There has been trials in your life. There's going to be more trials in your life. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean the trials stop coming. But you can love and you can have joy in the midst. You can have peace. You can have rest right there in the midst of everything going on. And it's through love. 
There is no greater joy than we can experience than to know that we are loved by God. The creator of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe loves you. The God who set the stars in the heavens loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Individually, the God who put the planets in motion, who caused the waves to come and go, who caused the sun to go across the sky, this God who made all of this happen, he's in love with you. And it's very personal. It's not just this blanket statement, I love all of mankind. He loves you. And he wants you to know that you are loved today. When we receive that love, we have a greater ability to love others. John 3.16 says this. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the New King James translation. This is the version that I've been reading out of all day. I want to read it out of the Amplified. It says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world, mankind, that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, Jesus, that whosoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So what are we saying? God loved you so much. He loved you. He loved you. He loved you. He loved every single one of you individually so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross to pay the debt for your sin and for mine so that we do not have to suffer the consequences of hell, but that we can enjoy eternal life in heaven with Jesus forever. That's what that scripture says. And the bonus, the glorious bonus, is that we get to have a relationship with God here on the earth, and he gives us everything we need in life. If you've walked through this world and through this life for any amount of time without Jesus, you know that you have this lack. There's no lack with Jesus. He gives you everything you need. We have this glorious bonus attached to the scripture that Jesus gives us everything we need for this life. Joy, peace, rest. There is nothing that will satisfy apart from a relationship with God. Nothing satisfies without God. If you're here today, and you've never been told that Jesus loves you. You've never knew this before, that you could have this relationship with Jesus Christ, have this relationship with God here on the earth. I want to invite you to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time. It's a decision that all of us, at the here, all of us that are here that are Christians have made at some point in our life. It's a glorious moment when you begin to walk with God, when you begin to receive his love, when you begin to open yourself up to walking with him, to following him, it is the greatest decision that you will ever make to follow Jesus. So I want to invite you to do that today. If you're here, I just want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. If you're watching with us online, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. 
Jesus, I believe you lived and you died and you rose again and you paid the price for my sin. Come and live on the inside of me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I'm going to ask you to check on your box, on, check the box on your card. It says, today I follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If you prayed that prayer, there's some information that I'd like to send you that explains the decision that you've made, let you know what it means, and let you know what your next steps are. If you're here today and you're checking that box, I want to ask you to also just come up to me afterwards and just let me know that you prayed that prayer. We would love to celebrate with you. If you're watching online, you can check it on the online Engage card, or you can send me an email at info at redeeminglovechurch.org, and I will send you the same information, and we would love to celebrate with you as well. As we prepare to dismiss this morning, remember, hold on to this Engage card until you get your lunch. This is your lunch ticket today. But as we dismiss today, I just want to pray. Uh, We will have people up here in the front to pray for you individually, to lay hands on you, but I just want to pray. So Just raise your hands, close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, God, we ask that you would just come and bring healing to our hearts. God, as we begin this sermon series today, love does. Help us to love again. Help us to love anew and afresh. Help us to be the people of God that love. God, let love be the banner over our lives. Let the world see that we love, that we love one another, that we love one another well. And God, we pray that all of this would happen to the glory of God. God, that you would use us to love others, that we would be a vessel of your love to touch the least, the last, the lost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, this is a good book. It's a lot of fun to read. Uh, there's not theological nuggets in here like there is in some other books. I mean, there's a couple, but it's a, it's a really fun book if you, if you want to pick that up and read through it. And uh, Pastor Tom, come on up and receive the offering this morning. We look forward to having some food with you here in just a little bit.